there are certain things that become profits for your future, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, not profit money, but profits, prophetic of where your future goes. Now, some of the things that are going to happen to us in the future, we don't know, okay? It's known only to God. But there are certain things that predict a lot about your future and my future that we can know for sure. And I'm going to talk to you about four of them in the next few weeks. And uh, today, I'm going to talk to you about who you run with, who your friends are. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh, where's the exit door? Because who you run with is one of the great prophets of your future. Because we're sowing seeds today for what our tomorrow will look like. Amen? And so I'm going to be hitting on four main areas where you are definitely sowing seeds into where your future is going to go. So I want to read one verse. This is just one verse. It's easy. and It's so short. I want you to read it with me. We're going to put it on the screen there. And here we go. I want you to read it with me. Let's go. The righteous should choose his friends recklessly. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed up. What does it say? Carefully. Why? Why do I have to be careful about who I choose to be my friends? For the way of the wicked leads them astray. See, who, who you run with is going to matter on whether or not you really successfully walk with God. So we're going to talk about that today because there's good friendships and there's bad friendships. Amen? And so this is very, very spiritual because I'm going to tell you it's a predictor of your future. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray your blessing. We pray your blessing on the word of God. Give us discernment. Give us uh, wisdom. Help us to be highly selective in who we bring in to our inner circle. Lord, in Jesus' name, crown us today with wisdom so that we can bear fruit and maximize your calling on our life. We thank you for it. And Lord, before we're seated, we want to pray over this last shooting, this terrible thing that happened in Allen, Texas. And once again, Lord, the devil manifested in violence. And we want to remember, Lord, as if it happened to us, those that are waking up today without loved ones, waking up without children, waking up without a spouse, without parents, without friends and acquaintances. And we pray the healing of Jesus would be on Allen, Texas. We pray for the police officers that had to go to that scene and see it. We pray for the emergency medical workers that had to go to that scene and see it and tend to the dead and wounded. We pray that, Lord, you would release your healing, that you would release your grace, that you would pour out your mercy. And, Lord, let the suffering today know the comfort of God. May many people turn to Christ because of this. May they look up and say, God, I need you. And, Lord, we just pray that somehow you would take this terrible evil, and turn it to the salvation of many. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it matters who you run with.
Amen, amen. Now, I'm going to talk about four areas, and let me just tell you what they are. Uh, today, I've already said it, who your friends are, but here's the four predictors of your future, four prophets of your future, who your friends are, what your habits are, what you worship, because you know everybody worships something, even those that say I'm an atheist, they worship something, because God wired us to worship, so I guarantee you we worship. And then finally, who you're learning from. Oh, it matters who has your ear and who you're learning from about life and living and spiritual things. So I'm going to deal with those things in the next few weeks. Bring somebody that you know needs it because, folks, this is, these messages are going to get right down to where we live. That's the only good preaching. Preaching must touch life or it's worthless preaching. All right? So here we go. The importance of who your friends are. How many of you have a friend? How many of you are a friend to someone else? How many of you are thankful for the friend that sticks closer than a brother? This one. Amen. Now, let me just define what I mean by friend. When I say friend, I mean who you primarily run with, who you spend your time with, who you talk to, who you share your secrets with. They know more about you than anyone else on the earth. Your real, close, inner circle friends. They know your stuff. They know what you're doing, how you're living, uh, what you're messing up with, bad decisions and good ones. Your friends know about you. They know everything about you because you've trusted them with your heart. And with the inner sanctum of your soul, you've let them in to the real you. That's your friend. You spend most of your time with them. These are the people you have allowed into the innermost recesses of your heart. And these are the people to whom you have given your heart and your trust. Your close friends. Your inner circle of friends. Your BFFs. Best friends forever. Your soulmates, your running buddies, the ones you talk to more than anybody else, that's your friends. And most of us have friends somewhere like that. Next to Jesus, nobody influences you more than your friends. I'm going to say that again. Next to Jesus, nobody influences you more than your friends. You believe that? I guarantee you it's true. You can't have a best friend or a good friend, a running buddy who you're with all the time, and not have them influence your life. They're going to exert powerful influence on you. Your friends. No way around it. Show me your friends, and I'll pretty much show you where you're going to be five years from now. Amen, Pastor Jeff, you're getting good now. See, I can tell you I'm starting to go where we live. It gets real quiet and con contemplative. Now, notice, he says, I want you to be very careful. This is, the, this is the counsel of the Word of God. Be very careful and wise about how you choose as friends. Now, notice he said, friends are a choice. The, the, the wise and the righteous should choose their friends carefully. You know, nobody makes you have a friend. We choose our friends. We pick our friends. They, they are a result of our choices, 
You're not running around with somebody that you haven't chosen. You, you picked them. And you picked them for reasons. And, and, and somebody said, well, I've got such good chemistry with this person or these people. That may be good and well, but that doesn't mean they're godly friends. You may get along with them. They may, they may fit into your personality, but that doesn't mean God brought them. Can I talk to you straight today? Yeah, yeah, you can, you can say, wow, we got such good, we have so many things in common. That doesn't mean God sent them. Do you know that Pilate and Herod became best friends as both of them together orchestrated the crucifixion of Christ? Their friendship was a friendship made in hell. But the Bible says they became best friends, good friends. In that setting, I don't think God was a part of that friendship. Be very careful because who you pick is going to influence you. And if it's the wrong kind of friendship, then it can lead you and will lead you astray. That's what he's saying. Now, on the other hand, the flip side is there are good friendships, positive friendships, helpful, advantageous, uplifting, God-glorifying, Christ-exalting friendships. And that's the kind we want. If you choose the right kind of friends, godly friends, who are seeking Jesus and are submitted to his word, it's going to be an incredible blessing to your life. Amen. The Bible says, listen to this, I love this verse, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. What's that talking about? I I believe we all have a, a spiritual cutting edge. When you get saved, God wants us to be spiritually sharp. All right? We're to be spiritually sharp. We're to be discerning. We're to keep our first love with Jesus. We're to be influential for him. We're to bring forth fruit. We're to have a cutting edge, a spiritual cutting edge that is positive and good and godly. And he says, to help you maintain the cutting edge on your spiritual life, God will bring a friend into your life. I like uh, this other version. As one piece of iron sharpens another, so friends keep each other sharp. Amen. God will bring friends into your life. You start to go off into sin, they are in your face. What are you doing? Where are you going? Well, I just really think that I need to go do this over my dead body because I'm your friend and I love you and I'm fighting for you and I'm not going to let you go there. I'm a godly friend. I'm a godly friend. They, they help you keep your walk with God sharp. Okay? They, they add to your spiritual keenness. They, they help you to avoid sin. They encourage you to follow the plan that God has laid out for you. They are cheerleaders for your spiritual success. The right kind of friends. Conversely, the wrong kind of friend dulls your walk with God, dulls your cutting edge leads you into compromise after compromise and influences you to go down the wrong path. And there's nothing more powerful, listen to me, than a, than a deep relationship to persuade you to go away that you may not go otherwise. God wired us to relate. He wired us to worship him, and he wired us to to be in relationship with other people. And once 
Somebody has your heart, your affection, your loyalty. There's very little stronger than that. That's why, let's, let's talk about dating. If you're single, I don't care if you have things in common. I don't care if they're a good fit to your relationship. I don't care if there's good chemistry. The question is, are they walking with the Lord like you are? That's the acid test. That's the litmus test. The wrong kind of friend will dull you. The the wrong kind of friend, because of the power of relationship and connection and attachment, nobody can lead you astray like that person. And nobody can help you go forward in God like that person. Somebody once said, and I believe this is absolutely true, I know it's true. When God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. When Satan wants to destroy you, he puts a person in your life. See, both Satan and and God understand the incredible, awesome power of relationship. Satan knows if I can sow a tear into your life, if I can sow somebody into your life you get attached to, but they don't really walk with God, then I have an incredible leverage over your life to get you away from God. And God knows if I can bring a godly person into your life, a godly friend, and, and you begin to hang with them, run with them, fellowship with them, talk with them, go to church with them, worship with them, they're going to be powerful in influencing you towards God and in keeping you sharp. So when God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. When Satan wants to destroy you, he puts a person in your life. So we're to be very wise who we bring into our inner circle, into the inner sanctuary of our soul, who we trust with our deepest secrets, who we allow to capture our heart. You got to be very, that's why I say to those of you dating, you're not married yet. Listen carefully to me today, because once you're in love, we've lost you. Because once you're in love, you're stuck on stupid. (laughs) Once you're in love, we can't reach you. Once you're in love, you are deaf to any word of reason. So, So before you fall in love with somebody, be sure they go through the litmus. Are they walking with Jesus like me? Were they going to church before I knew them? Do they pray? Do they seek God when nobody's looking? Who are they in their private life? Check it out. I'm saving you some tears today, some sorrow today. Let me give you two examples from Scripture of both good and bad friendships. The, the good one, the best one in the Bible, one of the most outstanding friendships, godly friendships, David and Jonathan. We all know who David was, but who was Jonathan? Well, Jonathan was King Saul's son. And he was the heir apparent to the throne of Israel the way that it was done back then. He was the heir apparent to the throne of Israel. We know that Jonathan was a man of God, a young man of God. He was heroic. He had done heroic things militarily when he first encountered David. And David and Jonathan met 
in the context of a great victory for God. They met in the context of David killing Goliath. That's when they met. And the Bible says when David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone, Saul, King Saul, who had been hiding in fear in the tent and should have been leading the way, the King Saul called for him and said, I need to meet this young man. He just brought down the giant with a sling and a stone. So it says he interviewed him. And when he interviewed David, it says Jonathan was standing nearby. And he heard his dad say to David, uh, uh, whose son are you, young man? Where'd you come from? Where you been all my life? He said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. And the Bible goes on to record, when he had finished speaking to Saul, listen to what happened. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, the homosexual movement has tried to say, or at least some in it, that this is, this is telling us that they entered into a, a gay relationship. And, and that's complete blasphemy and misinterpretation of Scripture because the Word of God says there's nothing sexual at all about this relationship. God knitted their heart in godly friendship on the spot. The word knit means bound up or melded together. Metaphorically, it means to be allied with. So what it's telling us is these two, David and Jonathan, became each other's allies and supports and cheerleaders and friends and protectors. I'm for you, you're for me. We're in this together. Somebody attacks you, they attack me. If you fall, I fall. If you win, I win. It's an expression of deep, pure affection, a joining of two godly souls under the influence and the touch of God. They were both heroic. They were both kindred spirits. They had a meshing. Listen, what they saw in each other was a mere expression of their own powerful faith in God. One commentator writes, Jonathan and David possessed one thing in common, an intense, unswerving belief in the power of Jehovah of Israel to keep and to save all who trusted in him. Their friendship was born and revolved around their mutual faith in God. This was a godly God-ordained, God-inspired, God-centered friendship. It goes on to say in verse 3 that Jonathan and David made a covenant, and this is a covenant that saved, saved David's life. Because he loved him as his own soul, the Bible says, talking about Jonathan. Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now let me tell you what this symbolizes. Very important. Jonathan giving him his robe, his armor, sword, bow, and belt uh, was, was an expression not only of honor, but he was also helping clothe David with what he would need to walk in the court of the king. Because, it says in verse 2, Saul took him, that is David, that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. So David is plucked out of the pastures, out of herding sheep, and he's brought right into the court of the king. 
And so what is Jonathan doing? He is giving him what he, outer wear that he needs to walk in the court of the king. Put another way, he's preparing him right off the bat for who he was called to be in God. Yeah. See, that's what a real friend will do. A real friend will recognize the call of God on, on your life and will build you up for it and push you forward into it and prepare you with everything that's in them for the moment that you step into the fullness of your calling into the court of the king. That's what godly friendship does. Godly friendship pushes you forward in God's best for you. That's what godly friendship does. Can I have an amen here? A godly friendship is a huge boost and a blessing from God for your spiritual growth. Listen to the verse again. As one piece of iron sharpens another, so friends keep each other sharp. God gave me these kinds of friends years ago when I was in my low 20s and just starting out in the ministry and starting out in God. God gave me a group of guys that uh, he linked us with because we were all seeking the same Jesus. We were all called of God to ministry. And we were all going the same direction. We were all walking the narrow path that leads to life. We were all about Jesus. We were sold out. We were all in. And God brought us together in the early 20s. And what's so powerful is they're still there with me today. Still there. Now, I'm going to get real transparent with you. We were young men. And in the 70s, the 70s, the early 70s, is when the floodgates of hell opened up and vile, filthy pornography flooded the land. And any red-blooded American male who loved Jesus was having to stand up and fight it. And not just that, but the whole tenor of the culture was wicked. So we used to get together and say, how you doing with temptation to porn? How you doing with your thought life? How are you doing in prayer? How are you doing uh, uh, with relationships? Who are you dating? And if you're dating anybody, we want to meet them. And we were accountable to each other. We supported each other. We prayed for each other. We were open with each other. Because all of us were pushing the other forward. We all became pastors. We all became ministers, all of us. And and to this day, every single Sunday morning, we get together on, what'd you call it? Group chat. I'm sorry, I'm I'm internet illiterate. Group chat. And and, uh, Pastor Sonny generally kicks it off and he'll share some scripture. And to this day, we will say, go preach the paint off the wall. Go knock the devil down. Oh, win souls. You go, guy. You go, guy. And that's been going on, are you ready? 50 years. I started out at nine years old. No, but that blesses me because God gave me godly friendships. 
And, and if any of us have ever started to go off or do something stupid, we're in each other's face. What are you doing? You're not going there. What are you thinking? I'm going to pray with you. No, you're not going there. Over my dead body, you're going there. No, no, no. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. This godly friendship proved to save David's life because the day came that Saul got intensely jealous of David. And he decided he was going to kill him. He stalked him for 10 years. For 10 years, David slept in caves and in open fields, going to sleep with one eye open and a sword in his hand. Is today the day he's going to find me? Saul had amassed the entire Israeli army. David was the number one, top, most wanted fugitive of Israel for 10 years. And and how did he survive it? Well, one way was Jonathan told him what his father Saul was doing, how he could escape it, how he could avoid it. And because of Jonathan, his life was saved. Now think about this. Without Jonathan and David's friendship, most of the Psalms wouldn't be there. Big chunks of the Bible wouldn't exist. And the lineage through which Christ came, the lineage of David, would have been cut off. But for that godly, God-ordained friendship. Hmm. So we've seen a good friendship. Let me talk to you about a bad one, and then we're going to close. The Bible says, don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Don't think you're an exception. Don't think because you're so spiritually strong, you can endure safely and sustain your spiritual life in a bad friendship. Don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Now, this tells us right off the bat what a bad friendship does. Why Satan sows a terror into your life. Here's why. Because it ruins good habits. The word habits, the Hebrew word that habits is translated from means morals. The Bible is warning that over time, a bad friendship will heavily influence your morals, your ethics. Your spiritual convictions will dull you and wear you down where you've lost, you've spiritually lost what you had. Here's the fact. You will become like who you run with. I'm going to say that real slow. You will become like who you run with. Say, no, no, I'm going to pull them up. That's not what the Bible says. You run with the wrong people, they're going to pull you down. you will become like who you run with. That's the way God made relationship. You're going to become just like who you're spending your time with. My mother's parents, I went to visit them. I led both of them to Christ when they were in their uh, 70s. But they had been married their entire life. They were in upstate New York. They got married, get this, when she was 13 and he was 15. And it made it. It survived. The governor of New York sent them a 50th anniversary celebratory card. But they didn't know Jesus, so I went up there, and I noticed this about them. They were just two peas in a pod. They were all they'd known was them, each other. If one of them nodded, the other one nodded. The way 
They, they talked the same. They walked the same. They acted the same. They had the same expressions. If you were talking to her, you were talking to him. If you were talking to him, you were talking to her. They, they even moved at the same time. They accepted Christ at the same time, in the same way. Because you're going to become like who you run with. You can't get away from it. So who you're running with? Who you're running with? You won't walk down the road of life for very long without some, with, with someone else unless you're in agreement with them and how they're living. If you're not in agreement at the first, you're either going to part ways or begin a slow slide of one compromise after another in order to be with them. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? The answer is they can't. Y'all are so quiet today. Is it okay if I meddle with your stuff a little bit? Because God meddled with me before I'm meddling with you, right? When you read the Old Testament about God's dealings with his own people, you soon see that God constantly warned his people not to hang with or intermarry with pagan idol worshipers. Listen to God's warning. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. What fellowship has light with darkness? What fellowship has Christ with the devil? What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? The answer is none. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. He said, well, Jeff, I can't be all stuck up. You don't have to be stuck up out there. Listen, I've got all kinds of acquaintances in my life. Some are totally lost. Some are living lukewarm. They're no longer in church. And and I've got... Listen, I've got uh, 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 casual friendships like that. But here's the deal. I don't run with them. I don't go where they go. I don't do what they do. I draw a line in the sand. I'm going to show you the love of Jesus. I'm going to be nice and kind. I'm not going to be arrogant or condescending. But, but I'm not going to go where you go, and I'm not going to do what you do. Because if I do, it's going to take me down. One of the best examples, and I'm going to close with this, is Solomon. The Bible says Solomon was the greatest man of his day. He was a man of God. He was a man greatly blessed of God. He had wisdom far above anyone else on planet Earth. Listen to what the Bible says. The whole world to hear the wisdom of God or the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Solomon wrote much of the book of Proverbs. Song of Solomon, Book of Ecclesiastes, and two Psalms. Scripture records he could speak with authority about all kinds of plants. He could speak about animals, birds, insects, and fish. IQ off the charts. So aside from being the greatest man on the face of the earth and, over the, and the king of the greatest nation... He was an authority on botany, plants, uh, zoology, animals, ornithology, birds, entomology, insects, and ichthyology, marine life. He was brilliant. So with all this wisdom and all this knowledge and everything from God that he had was an answer to prayer 
You would think such a man would never, ever stray from God. Well, if anybody's not going to ever stray from God, he's the guy. But he did. He did. It happened through wrong relationship. First Kings 11.4, it was so when Solomon was old. What a sad way to finish your older years. His wives turned his heart after other gods. Turned his heart away. Wisest man on the planet. Could talk about anything. Blessed and anointed with God. King over this fabulous kingdom. Relationships were the enemy's door into him. He wound up worshiping idols. Solomon worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, uh, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Molech was the god they made stone idols of and would, and would put fires under him and make his hands red hot and place children in those red hot hands. Solomon worshiped Molech and built an altar on, the, on a high hill for these sacrifices to take place, the one that wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, holy and errant scripture, he wrote it, and yet relationships took him down. So that's just in the Bible to let us know nobody is so strong that you can withstand being around the ungodly all the time. You can't. Now, how, you say, well, in closing, how do I know I'm in a wrong relationship Pastor Jeff, I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you four quick signs. Here they are. You're having to compromise your biblical convictions to stay in it. You're having to compromise your biblical convictions to stay in it. That's one way. Second way, your walk with the Lord is not what it was before the relationship. Look at where you are right now and ask yourself, Where am I spiritually as opposed to where I was before I started running around with this group or this person? Is it better? Is it worse? Where am I? Okay. Third, your joy and your peace are gone. You may even be having to drink something or take some numbing drug to squelch your protesting conscience. Here's the last one. People that know you best are noticing you're not the same. You've changed. You ever notice you parents, your kids grow, and they hit teenage years where you need to put them in a wooden crate and (laughs) drill a hole in it for them to breathe and leave them there until they're 20? But if you can't do that, then you're dealing with teenagers. And here's the thing. If you ever notice how we hear all the time, I started noticing my son or my daughter coming home. And something was different about their countenance, about their eyes. The eyes tell the story. Because the eyes go dark, and they get shifty, and they won't look at you. Because they have guilt, and a door has opened in their life, and then you begin to figure out, well, when did this difference begin? When did this change start? When they started running with that group, running with that person. And it took them down. They're not the same. They're not talking the same. They're alienated from us. They're, they're not around us. They avoid us. 
They're off in their room alone. What, what, what has changed them? And you're telling them, you've changed. Why have you changed? Oh, I haven't changed. I'm just busy or I got things on my mind. No, if, you, if you're running with the wrong people, it's going to change you. I visited a young man in jail a few weeks ago. Mm. I'd seen the before and the after pictures of him. Before, he was cheery, nice haircut. His eyes were, his eyes were good. Okay? He's smiling. Then I went and saw the pictures now. And I visited him in jail. And I asked him, how did this happen to you? And he said, I hooked up with the wrong crowd. And they were in drugs. And he killed somebody. I said, how'd you end up here? Got on drugs. I can mark where I went off. I went off with wrong relationships, wrong friendships, and it changed me. Can we stand together today? Now, how many of you have a good friendship, a godly friendship? Isn't it a blessing? Amen. Isn't it a blessing? Well, Pastor Jeff, what do I do if I'm in a bad one? Make a clean break. Let me, let me tell you the easiest way out. Start talking about Jesus all the time. Start going to church all the time. <laughs> Brag on the things of God all the time. And, and you'll wake up one day and realize, I didn't have to go anywhere. They left. Now, I'm not talking about married people. Don't go out of here and say, Pastor Jeff told me I need to get out of this. No, no. Marriage is a different story altogether. But, you know, when it comes to wrong relationships, I never had to do anything more than just talk up Jesus. And, and walk the right path. And they exit. Keep doing what is right. And who's wrong and what's wrong will leave your life. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, can we? Father, we thank you for godly friendships. And we receive your warning about bad friendships. And Lord, five years from now, we want to be walking with you, talking with you, glorifying you, bearing fruit, influential for your kingdom. And we want to be more mature, more spiritual, more godly than we are right now. So Lord, give us, surround us with the right people. Help us to choose wisely the right companions. Can you lift your hands to the Lord, dear church, and say today, Lord, help me. Come on, everybody, pray. Lord Jesus, help me to choose wisely who I'm around, who I fellowship with, who I walk with. Help me, Lord, to be all that you've called me to be. Give me a David. Give me a Jonathan. Give me a godly friend who will sharpen me and who I can sharpen. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I've so enjoyed being with you today. I'm going to ask my prayers to come down. Can I have some prayers to come down? And we want to pray. Because here's what I know. And listen carefully to me, friend. I, when I come out here and preach, I always consider that I'm dealing with life and death. With It may be the last time you hear a word from God before something major happens in your life. And so I want to give you the opportunity to respond now. Yesterday is gone. Someday isn't here yet. We have today. Today we need to make our decisions to go on with God. So I want to encourage you today in Jesus' name. Come and pray with somebody. If you're in a situation where I need out of a relationship that has taken me down, we want to pray with you. Or if you're lonely, you need a godly friendship, come down and we'll agree with you that God will give you one. Amen? Wednesday nights, we're here this Wednesday night. We're finishing 1 Peter, and uh, we're going to go to 2 Peter the week after. So I encourage you to be there Wednesday night to learn the Word of God. And uh, let me pray for you as we get ready to go. Father, thank you for the people of God. Lord, may your face shine upon us. Give us wisdom to choose wisely who we walk with. Lord, help us to be surrounded with people of faith and wisdom. Help protect us and guard us, Lord, in this wicked and corrupt and dark world. Give us the right friends. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next time.